to the Create Your World podcast. Ben, how are you doing today? Really good, man. How are you? I am in... Uh, how do I put it? Okay, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm in a pretty bad place this week. I launched my course yesterday, and it launched, and then it crashed, and it burned. Shit. So, <laughs> it was pretty bad. Um, so, we'll, I'll be getting into the all the nasty details of that in this episode and yeah so i'm in a pretty pretty tough headspace this week but that's part of the journey and there's a lot of value to be had in reflecting on why this went the way it did um what went wrong and to learn from that and uh, look ahead so that's what i'll be sharing with uh, everyone this week and how about you mm, i'm on the uh i'm i'm starting marketing my 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 company so it's uh it's really the first time that i'm opening up you know opening up the windows and letting the light in and uh seeing if people actually think that my idea is any good <laughs> that's pretty nerve-wracking i can imagine mm. so i think it's really great because we've actually approached this whole thing from opposite ends right uh so we've we've actually spoken about this so many times together <laughs> i started with the marketing i started by growing an audience i started by creating a following on on social be it youtube facebook um i've got twelve thousand followers on facebook about a thousand youtube subscribers however I don't have a product and so my search for the last six months has not been for new followers but to find a product to sell to them. So I started with the marketing and worked the other way. Now you started with the product or the content, uh, especially the, the premium content. You started with 50 articles, you've built this amazing website, you've got an app, you've got almost everything set up as, I mean, there's, there's probably more that I haven't touched upon, but you've pretty much got the store ready. It's, it's, it's built and yet you haven't done marketing. So you're working the other way. Now you're starting, as you said, to open the windows, let the light in, find your audience. So we're sort of, it's like one of us is coming from the East and one from the West or one from the left and one from the right. And we're sort of like crossing over each other in the middle. So this will be really interesting to see, in the weeks and months ahead, how this pans out and what we can learn from each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that uh, I think that the reason why I took that path that I did is, and it's um, I think it's 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 definitely against conventional wisdom. You know, mm. I just saw a lot of creators that had um, created a business model that I thought was pretty unsustainable. Mm for themselves i'd see people create memberships or subscriptions that requires them as a creator to just to pump out new stuff every single week and if they don't do it then they don't get paid mm. and i can only imagine the amount of pressure that creates on a person mm. and that i think that as the years pass like if you're like five years into this like 
wouldn't that just, this is just how, I was, how I've been thinking about it, wouldn't that become a cage that you've created for yourself? So what I really wanted to work out is what a sustainable business model might be and you know where I put that content when it's in a in in a subscription membership like this or whether or not it's mostly free with e-commerce attached or it, there's so many different combinations but I wanted to start with that because I really think I I feared getting in that cage um, whereas I think Liam you didn't have any such fear no I didn't quite look at it that way in fact hmm <laughs> I may have been more short-sighted than you. I definitely have the model, have, a, have taken on the model of creating constant um, daily content. However, it is much easier for me to create that content because I do live broadcasts in the morning and they're fairly easy to do. They fit my personality, I'm very comfortable in front of the camera, etc. So it's not a great... Um, load of pressure for me to do a morning broadcast every morning and just to be clear about what I what I actually do I every morning I, te I teach or I, 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 I present a phrase a very common phrase that you'd use in English such as making a mountain out of a molehill or uh, vegging out or you know there's so many different phrases that I've done but I do one phrase every single morning so many different phrases English is just full of these crazy little things, right? There's a litany of just, yep. It's just all content for you. Yep, it's it's all fair game. So I do one every morning and that has, has grown this great audience for me and this, fo and this following, but there is no upsell, right? So the problem is I cannot monetize from the live broadcast in the mornings. Uh, it's just, it's like at, at this rate, um, I get roughly mm, anywhere between 50 to 80 at, at tops about 90. I've never hit 100 viewers at, at one at any given time watching. But there is there is there is a way to to monetize. There are monetization pathway for Facebook creators, but it's it's much harder to reach that the level you know the minimum level of views you need to get each per month or per video uh, much harder than even YouTube which is an, uh, you know a pretty steep climb as well so at this stage I am putting no I have no hope of, of making money directly or, um, from the live broadcast itself and there's no way it's not like twitch where the followers uh, can sort of give you a little gold coin or something or some sort of it's not even like the YouTube super chat where you have you know you can pay like a small two dollars or five dollars to have your comment sort of pinned to the top of the chat box and and so the creator can pay special attention to your comment uh, Facebook doesn't have those kinds of tools available at this stage so what does it have what does it have mm, well there is there is something uh, for Facebook creators broadly where you can monetize based on ad revenue for a certain um, certain amount of views per month. Uh, however, it, it's it's pretty hard to get to, to that amount of views. It, it was mostly geared towards gamers, rather. I mean, creators generally, but mostly gamers on Facebook. So Facebook's really picked up its. Oh, I see. It's like the YouTube problem where you need millions and millions of people to to view your video before 
get any money. Yeah, and the thing I've been struggling with is because my live uh, streams are so interactive, they're fundamentally different from a from a gaming stream where you watch someone play a game. With my broadcast, it's teaching and it's interactive. So what I do is I, I invite the viewers to leave a comment and then I correct their comments. So they leave, they write a sentence. So for example, if the phrase is, um, I teach them how to use it, and then I say, it's your turn, go, go write a sentence. And so they start leaving comments and they say, oh, I need to up my whatever game. And then I correct their sentences because most of them will make mistakes. So because of that, it's interactive and you can't answer more than 20 or 30, 40, 50 comments, you know, at, at any given time. So there's almost like a, there's an inherent sort of ceiling. There's a, there's a, there's a limit you hit. So I have this amazing marketing machine with the morning broadcast every morning and I have hundreds of people watch that every day and I can have like more than 200 comments sometimes on each uh, video and it's fantastic way of growing my audience and generating a lot of, a lot of traffic on my Facebook page. But I don't have a product to sell my my followers, my audience. So my struggle has been to create this product and I've been down several different paths trying to find this product, trying to make this product. And this is about yesterday's course launch re represents about the fifth iteration of, of trying to create a product. So let, let me just go back briefly over what I did first. Firstly, I did online conversation class, which I thought would be the most obvious thing to do considering I had done conversation class in, you know, brick and mortar kind of real schools, quote unquote, uh, in the past. So it would be easy to do it online. So it's basically an online equivalent of what you're already doing in person. Exactly. I did that, but it's uh, not scalable, obviously, because, you know, you can only have so many students in an online class, just like you can only have so many students in a physical classroom. So I soon dropped that because I knew I wanted to achieve scalability. So I moved on to another thing, which was uh, chatbot messaging. And so my whole, my whole approach with that was, okay, well, I'll use a, a, a chatbot like ManyChat uh, or ChatFuel. I tried a couple other ones as well to try and build something where the people who participated in the morning broadcast each morning would get be, would be sent a, a message afterwards and then they would be asked to write another comment in Facebook Messenger and then I would um, correct their sentence in there. So it's like another sentence to learn. It's like another chance to, to keep practicing their, their English writing. And so that sort of worked. I mean, there are a few people who who signed up, but it quickly fizzled out mainly because there's, I never provide a, a limit on how many sentences you can write in the morning broadcast. So it's, it's almost like I use the analogy of, I'm like running a coffee stand or I'm running a coffee shop where you can get like a free coffee every morning, AKA you can write, a, you can leave a comment on my live video and I'll correct it for you. And then I'm expecting them to walk in and sit down and order another coffee. It's just, you know, most people are happy with just one coffee. And it's like they, they've had their morning hit of English on their way to work. I've corrected this and it's, you know, fantastic. What more do they need? They don't want to, they don't want to buy anything more from that. So that wasn't really a product. Uh, it wasn't different enough from what I was already offering them as free content. The next thing I did 
um, was a Patreon uh, membership uh, and I got about 15 to 16 members uh, but again it was the, the the content I was giving them was what I call like tidbits they were tidbits they were like extra little extra little add-ons that were built around the morning broadcast so I would send them like a PDF and an mp3 recording of me reading through the top five sentences that people had written on the comment board that morning and, and explaining why those sentences are so good and how you can use those sentences to make other sentences so it's like extra additional content but it's still tied to the morning broadcast and the morning broadcast is already good enough it's it's already enough free content people already get their what they've come for which is to learn their English phrase and to practice using it. What's the need? There is no real need for these extra little bits of content, which are just add-ons to the morning broadcast. So you don't think that these little extras, if they were cheap enough, that people would buy them anyway, or is there? Do you think that no? There's an aversion to pulling out the credit card. I think there's not necessarily an aversion to pulling out the credit card. Um, there were a lot of users who didn't understand Patreon, didn't understand what it was. Um, I had to sort of explain the whole sort of idea of like patronizing or supporting, uh, you know, a creator. And there was the face the Patreon interface wasn't so easy to use because the, the payout, the checkout page and the credit card sales page were a lot of it is in English and you can't change it to Chinese. So I could change the the profile, like my profile name and who I am, and the and the, the you know the self description and the content in Chinese, but there was there were parts of the Patreon page that you cannot change from English. So there were some users who just did not know how to sign up, who couldn't find their way through Patreon. So it was unworkable on on several different levels. But yeah, you're right. I thought it would scale. I thought it would scale. So my minimum, my my lowest, uh, my my entry level membership fee was just two dollars a month and i got 15 members uh, in the first month and they're like my hardcore fans who just really love anything i do and then it stopped and then it didn't grow for three months and so i thought well if there's nothing no growth like literally no growth after three months after promoting it there's not going to be any you know real growth after after six months so you know, if, if it were still growing... And you were promoting it to the morning broadcast? Every single morning, I'd be doing a call to action, a CTA, where I'd say, don't forget to sign up for the Patreon page to get more content, and nothing nothing happened after the first month of 15 members. Yeah, it just fizzled out because it's, it's it was unscalable because there's not enough demand for that, just this tidbit sort of add-on additional content which there's, as I said, my, my metaphor is like this, my, my analogy is like this, I've got this coffee shop, I'm giving out free coffee in paper cups and everyone can come and take a paper cup. If you pay $2 a month, you can have your coffee in a nice mug. Most people just want the coffee. There's no real need for the mug. They just want a coffee and get their caffeine hit and then move on to work. So the, the value of the, that content, that that premium content that I was asking people to pay for was just not was just not what they needed. It's, it's just no match with with what they needed. So that was the Patreon page. So I went back to square one and I decided. Well, I yeah, it's a long story, but I eventually came around to realize that I need a separate product which is not attached. It's not an on 
It's not another add-on to the morning broadcast. It is its own thing. It is like a course. It is a standalone course that provides its own value and provides real value and is, you know, robust as, as a piece of content. So I went about creating a... So, so in other words, you, you are offering, you're still offering free coffees, but once they're in the cafe, then you're also selling them breakfast. Still offering free coffees every morning. Yep. Now brunch and breakfast, whatever, exactly. I'm selling them the full meal now. And that obviously comes at a, at a price, but now I've got um, a product. So I spent the last two months building this course and beta testing it with my with my Patreon members um, who are who have been really great in giving me lots of feedback. I gave the first course to them for free. I used uh, Teachable, which I would highly recommend to anyone out there who's looking to uh, start their first online course. Teachable is a really great way, uh, really great platform to use, really user-friendly. And um, so I used Teachable and I built this course. It's a 10-part series. Each series has a 15-minute um, MP4, a 15-minute video, uh, a PDF, a, a quiz at the end. It was a vocab builder. So every module taught you 10 keywords. So the first course, the topic for the first course was travel. The next one was shopping and so on and so forth. So the idea would be to create like a, many, many series of different topics about sports, pets, any sort of lifestyle based topics. In each course you would learn a hundred keywords about that topic area or yeah so I, d I built that and I actually I within one week I built the second course last week as well because I had given the first course to the members for free but I decided to do a double launch so I would not only start selling the course the first course about travel to all my followers at large but I would also start selling I would also sell the second course, which was on shopping, to the members as well. So a double course launch. I spent probably 20 hours uh, filming and editing this mini promo video, uh, which I was very happy about. It was it was a lot of fun creatively. It was it was a great way for for me to get creative and and make this promo video. So I was really happy about that. But uh, but yeah, in the end, at 12:30, I'd launched and. I've had three sales in two days, which is pretty much uh, a crash and burn, uh, considering... What price have you set the, the course at? The course is uh, 490 NT, which is about... Um, it's, rough, it's roughly 20 US thereabouts. However, I, I have a, a promo offer on right now, so the course is about $12. So, yeah, pretty pretty disappointing. <laughs> and my members haven't signed on for the second course either, which has been pretty surprising because they were so, they gave me such great positive feedback from the first course and I peppered them with hot jar surveys and they, they really liked it. They said they all gave it four or five stars for, you know, and, and I asked them lots of questions about, you know, um, how much Chinese I'm using in the as the language of instruction versus English is it the right amount and they all said yes etc um, but I I suspect 
the members think they're getting the second course for free. This may be miscommunication on my part. So I've got to be really wary of this. It's really important to be careful. So you think that the members are just sitting there waiting for you know, an email that's got their free invite to the, to the course. And so maybe that's why they're not acting. That's exactly right. Yeah. You've got to be really careful about how you position free offers to premium members or um, yeah, to, to members because they may have expectations based on what you've given them before that future content of this of, of the kind that you gave them to them for free before will be free in the future. That's what I think has happened because I gave them the first course for free and I told them this will be free forever for you guys. And I didn't say that there would be a second course coming out next week and it will cost this much money. I just simply kept the second course as a surprise. But now it's out, they seem to not be buying it and I think it's because they think it's free as well. Because one of them left a comment saying, oh, wonderful, I can't wait to take this second course, but I haven't finished the first course yet. So I'll do it, you know, once I finish the first course. And so even though the promo ends tomorrow, that tells me that she thinks that their promo price doesn't really apply to her because she's probably going to get it for free, but she's not. Uh, yes. Maybe it's maybe if just the uh, patrons get a um, the promo price only, so it's... So, I mean, that might kill two birds with one stone. It clearly says that, I, you know, they don't. Mm, but you tried that? I really wanted to do that. However, I needed to upgrade my plan on Teachable oh. <laughs> to be able to offer coupons. And I really don't have much cash to burn right now. I'm really, really tight. So I, I couldn't upgrade. So I couldn't use coupons to... Damn, I hate that. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah. Okay, looking forward, what are the takeaways from this crash and burn? What is there to learn? What is there? I think the big problem, the elephant in the room, uh, so to speak, is I, I really believe that this is a good product, but it is not what my audience wants. There's a, it's not my marketing isn't wrong. At first I thought it was my marketing was wrong. It's, it's not marketing. I've, I do broadcasting every morning. I'm growing this audience. The the, the you know, that I don't think that's the problem. The product's not the problem because I asked the members what they thought of the product. I think it's a great product. What I didn't ask them is, do you want this product? Is this the kind of product you are after? I, uh, my surveys were product reviews. They were not marketing surveys. Right. So it's... You see, there's a difference. Yeah. So it's, so it's like you've made a bike and it's a good bike. It's a fast bike, but you haven't actually found out whether or not they need to get from location A to location B, you know, that's a couple of, a couple of kilometers and it, whether or not it fits in with their life. Is that what you mean? Pretty much. It would be like... You don't know if it actually fulfills their need. Exactly. I, I don't really know what my audience wants, to put it bluntly. I don't really know. And I should have started by, uh, by asking them directly or getting them to fill out some sort of survey and making it really really detailed like how much have you spent on english learning material in the past etc um what are you looking for and there is so there's actually so many different kinds of english learning material that you can learn it's just crazy there's there's like you know esl for babies esl for toddlers esl for elementary school students there's 
there's English learning. There's this, the content that you learn if you want to go traveling overseas, like traveling, you know, phrases in English. There's, there's test taking English, which is a whole nother field of its own where it's just to pass the TOEIC test or the IELTS test or one of those tests that gets you into uh, college, you know, in the States or, or somewhere else abroad or, or gets you a better job somehow. You know, there's, there's those, that, so that's mostly aimed at, at, at workers, professionals. Right. And then you have, you know, if parents wanting to learn English, you've got, you've got um, grammar, people who focus on grammar, people who want to focus on listening, people who want to focus on conversation. You've got all these subcategories and I haven't nailed down what my audience really wants. And so that's been my biggest failure with this whole thing. So I have put in so much work building this vocab course and yeah, it's just fallen flat on its face. Mm. So maybe you have a, a mishmash of, so those 80 people that, that turn up each day for your, for your broadcast, maybe they have, um, maybe they belong to different niches within the, within a larger you know, learning English. Yeah, you're right. I think the word niche has sort of been like haunting me for the last couple of months because it's become more and more apparent to me that, yeah, I don't really have a niche or if I have a niche, I don't even really know what that niche is, which means I don't really have a niche. <laughs> um, but, and I've been resisting the sort of the, the pull to niche down, as they say. I, I've been like, no, 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 no. I, I want to try some other things first. I don't want to be too narrow in how I define my audience or what, I, what content I'm creating. I just have wanted to resist that. And it's really come to bite me because I'm, sh I really, okay, yeah, my audience is fairly broad, but they're also, there's also a typical viewer. Um, According to my my stats, my you know my Facebook metrics, uh, my about seventy percent of my followers are women aged between thirty five and forty five, uh, and so that's pretty specific demographic. A lot of just based on the comments that I get in my morning videos, a lot of um, the participants in the morning broadcast are mums, uh, young mothers, uh, and have children, so the parents. Um, and so that's a pretty specific demographic. Like there's an obvious niche there and that is like parenting related English or English learning for, for parents and then their children by extension. So there's, there's, a, there's an obvious kind of niche there, but I haven't drilled down on it. I haven't really committed to it and yeah, mm. yeah, that's, that's, that's been my, my big stuff up. Uh, so my, the problem is it's, I've, I've, I've built systems now. I, I, you know, the first time you do something is always the most time intensive and is always the, the hardest and you, you spend so much time and energy figuring out how you're going to do this and how you're going to make the process and, and your, your workflow more efficient going forward. I spent a lot of time over the last couple of months figuring out how I'm going to pump out these, these vocab builder courses in the months ahead. And now I'm sort of standing at the crossroads thinking, well, I can either just cut my losses, just walk away from this whole vocab building course thing and just go off on a whole nother and create a whole nother set of premium content for the users. Or I can try and find the 
audience or the, the people who do need these vocab builders, because I'm sure they're out there, they're just not my Facebook following. There are other channels I could I could take to find those uh, that audience, the, the, those those customers. I can I, I have contacts in the ESL industry here. I, I still you know, teach at cram schools here, so I could go through my cram school. Uh, I could I could go through other channels and find a way to sell these courses and continue to pump them out as a side project to my platform. Or I can say, no, nope, that's just not my niche. I'm not going to go down that path. I just cut my losses and learn my lesson, which is I didn't do my market research properly this time. I didn't really find out what my audience wants and do it now and then give them the content they want next time. Right. So, so your theory as to, you know, why there weren't enough sales on this course is that the course content that you created it isn't specific enough doesn't fulfill the needs yes. of your 35 to 40 year old women that are learning english my core audience that's right okay you said you know you're doing some hot jar surveys before yes um so what sort of questions could you put in to another survey just to really find that out yeah that's a really good question so i was talking with a friend last night um a sales guy who he does has done a lot of different things but we were having a chat, having catch up last night and we were going over this. His suggestion to me was when you do these surveys, the way to ask the questions is not just to ask, uh, for example, what, what kind of product are you looking to buy? But you should also ask what kind of product will you never buy? And that might be a multiple choice answer or it might be a, a fill in the blank kind of a question. But he stressed to me, the way to really get informative, valuable answers from your surveys is to ask the questions from each end. Like two bookends and you try and close in the bookends or to get closer and closer. Yeah, from both ends and sort of find like, like a pincer movement. Because some people don't want to answer a question too directly, but they'll show you how they really feel in an answer to the same kind of a question asked in a different way or from the, from the other uh, end of the spectrum. So... I mean, that's probably a good little survey technique, uh, something I'm, I'm not, you know, too strong on. I haven't had much experience with before, but that's one way. But really, I mean, regardless of the questions I ask, I just have to nail down about three things. The first one is, what do they want? Apart from, obviously, you know, the, the English broadcast each morning, like something about that, obviously ticks some boxes. That's right. And you see, this is what's so frustrating because I felt like... Well, if I've got an audience which wants this morning broadcast, then it's then I should create a product which is an extension of that. That's why I tried all that stuff last year with trying to create um, the Patreon page and the and the and the chatbot, um, the, the chatbot membership, because it was an extension of the morning broadcast. So I thought, well, that's logical. It also just takes a lot of, it cuts out a lot of workload because it's very, it's very tiresome to have to create whole new products, whole new courses on top of the morning broadcast. But it just didn't seem to go anywhere. So uh, it's um, it's like if they love the morning broadcast, then how do I just get them to pay for it? If I could just get them to pay for it, then that would solve my problem. If I could turn the broadcast into a product, then that would solve the problem. How long does the morning broadcast actually go for? Uh, it can go anywhere between 20 to 40 minutes on average. It's pretty long. Yeah, it is. There's a lot of meat 
on the bones. You know, there's a lot of content there. Oh yeah, yeah. And every single comment they leave, I correct every single comment. And every broadcast has at least a hundred comments, um, sometimes more than two hundred. So after the broadcast finishes, I go back and I correct every single sentence in the comment board. That's another half an hour to 40 minutes work roughly. So the whole thing, I mean, we kick off at 8 a.m. every morning and we, I finish it by about 10 a.m. once I've finished all the, all the stuff that I've got to do after the broadcast, like correcting the comments and, and downloading it and uploading it to YouTube and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think I've got a really big blind spot. Yeah. Can you see, is there any ray of light <laughs> coming in from your end? Can you see anything that I you sense I can't see? It feels like we're in the dark, doesn't it? Yeah. I wish I could say yes, but I think I'm just as, as confused. I think that it's going to be important finding out the right questions to ask. And I think that's a good tip that this guy's you know, given you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I think what might happen is once I figure out what content my audience really wants. So sorry, I, I just said that there are sort of three things I really need to find out. What they really want how much they're willing to pay for it. Yep. I didn't ask those questions at all, not even from the members last time. I was too scared to ask them about money. I was just like, well, and I, I don't know, this might be really naive, but I think that if I ask people how much you're willing to pay for something, it's in their best interest to say, pick the lowest price because then they know that that's going to influence my pricing. <laughs> so, so then they'll get the lowest price for it, right? Like that makes sense. So I have some probably pretty naive kind of, I, I'm probably totally wrong about this, but I, that's, that's been my perception. It's like, why would you ask someone, you don't ask people how much they're going to pay for something because then they'll just tell you they, they don't want to pay anything. So, so I, I, I probably just need to get over that and just ask them and, and trust that they will honestly answer the question. And, and the third thing I need to find out is how are they going to access the content? You know, do, do they want to use, is it going to be mobile? Is it going to be, is it going to be on their laptops? Wouldn't your teachable platform cover all bases there? It would, there is a teachable app, um, but I know my members haven't used it yet. They generally access the Teachable web page via Facebook because I paste the link to the latest module in the group. Yeah, that makes sense. So there, there's just, I mean, the third one can, can sort of wait that third element. But what I've found is my morning broadcast is, is really user-friendly. It's, it's the, one of the reasons why it's successful is because it's become part of their morning routine. It is like getting up and getting a cup of coffee in the morning. My users wake up, the first thing they do is, is grab their phone and, and, and at eight o'clock and open up my broadcast and start uh, leaving comments. So it's, it's part of their morning routine. It's what they do on their way to work, when they're on the, on the bus or, or having breakfast or, or whatnot. So, I need to figure out the last part is I need to figure out where will my users actually access this content? Is it going to be something they do on the weekend in their free time? And then that will obviously influence how I design the actual product. But I really need to find that out too. But the first two points, uh, what do they want? How much they're willing to pay for it? And I've just got to ask those questions up front. I've just got to stop being weird, especially around the pricing. I think I've just had the really wrong attitude to pricing uh, so far, yeah. But what I think will happen, sorry, just to wrap it up here. What I think will happen is after I figure out what product they really want 
and how much they're willing to pay for it and whatnot, and I redesign that product, I will probably rework, yeah, I'm probably going to change my morning broadcast to fit that product. So if, for example, the product they want is grammar. Okay, let's say they don't want vocab courses because I've just tried that and they clearly don't. What they really want is grammar. Okay, great. They really want grammar. I start building the grammar courses. I will start changing the morning broadcast to, instead of teaching phrases, to teach grammar. So it it's aligned because there is this disconnect at the moment between the, the marketing engine, which is the morning broadcast, and the product. There is no direct connection. But there needs to be a connection. Yeah, it's like the, the there's part of the funnel there. Yeah, the, the people you know the people are coming through, but it's it's not connecting through to the the other side. That's right. That's right. There's a missing link. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm. Uh, yeah, that's that's the space I'm in. So I hope we'll have I'll have some progress on that for next week. But how about you, Ben? What's going on in your world? Okay. So I've um I've been working for uh several weeks, several months actually on um on getting my getting content written so those are blog posts so i've got about um i've got just short of 50 um blog posts Mm. um so i've started off the topics are about trying to explain big ideas in science as simply as what i can right and make them entertaining Mm. plenty of stories you know that sort of thing and so i'm obviously balancing two aspects and that is I have to learn about these theories and learn how to uh, explain them simply and make them entertaining at the same time. And so there are there are a few articles that are just on the tail end, you know, that I've just pushed to push to the back and you know, so, so I'll worry about them later. There's about uh, eight of them. Um, and they're really they're really difficult. They're like mostly they're mostly articles about quantum mechanics and so I know that there's a way that I can explain these ideas and meet all the criteria but holy shit it's really hard probably because you know it's so far away from our everyday experience you know it's a total other world and so I find it difficult to come up with the right analogies and explain why how it connects to you know how we actually you know, bring it back down to earth. There we go. Um, so, yeah. So what I'm what I'm wondering is, you know, whether or not to keep slogging on and just, you know, get through the set, mm-hmm. or to focus my attention on just, you know, on marketing the articles that I've already done, even though the set's not finished. So, um, what do you think about that? I definitely have a strong opinion on this. <laughs> I definitely think you should start the marketing straight away to stop fussing around yes because you don't know to to come back to my lesson what i've learned you really don't know what your users want until you start getting real feedback until you start getting the data that tells you from your website traffic that that really tells you what they're looking at what articles they're looking at what content they find engaging what they don't find engaging, then you can start to edit around that. You can start to re redesign it for that audience. Yeah, hundred percent. That makes a lot of sense. It totally does. As you said at the start of the episode, it's time to let the light in. Like it's time to open up those windows. I I definitely think you're way overdue for that, man. You really should have done that a while ago. So 
Okay. Yeah, I just just you're grabbing at straws, like you're you're just you're sort of in your own head, like trying to guess what what they really want, whether the tone of your articles is too abstract or or you really just don't know. You don't know. You have one patron, right? On Patreon. Patreon? Yep. Yep. Has he it's it's a he, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Do you know anything about what he uh, you know what he likes? Uh, of, of your content has he given left any comments i've just got basic like um you know google analytics mm-hmm. data on it so it's just i can just see what pages he visited before he signed up um he read like read about two articles signed up to the email list and went through to the uh, patron page which is um they've got buttons you know on the website so click through that and he signed up there. You've peppered your website with, with Patreon buttons, right? Links to your Patreon page, which is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I, don't know, I don't know how he found the site because I haven't been, you know, putting links anywhere or, or marketing it yet, so. You haven't done much SEO. Yeah. Mm, no, you do, like, just get onto the marketing, get that ball rolling as soon as you can because it's going to be transformative. So it's better to experience those growing pains now or sooner rather than later yeah well that actually that has been the priority for this week actually okay walk us through your your plan for this week what exactly are you going to handle this week how are you exactly going to get the marketing happening uh i've been looking around like i'm not the only person that's that cares about learning about science and i hope not or else (laughs) you don't have a business (laughs) oh yeah yeah. yeah, that'd be pretty sad. Hope there are other people who share your interests in this. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just joshing you. Yeah, go on. <laughs> so I found a, I found some communities. I found some online communities, right? So Cora, Cora.com is a big one. Oh, of course. Yeah. I've uh, made an account there. I've got uh, I've got pretty into it this week. So you choose uh, you choose topics that you're that you're interested in. Uh, you fill out your bio. Uh, upload a picture and then you know you jump straight into these questions and some of them are really complicated um some i can't i can't begin to you know answer some of these questions really can you give us an example oh like you know questions about like really high high end what like like what i put put as a topic that i'm interested in is chemistry and so this question came through about about like the state of you know electron orbitals in this very specific you know type of formation and what the effects of of that are. It's like oh my god, <laughs> holy shit! This person's writing their PhD and they just want to like hack Cora for some answers to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, that sounds pretty. Yeah, but actually, what I found Cora is actually really good for at least for my. Um, for what I'm doing is that when I have a question, I like I, I put up a bunch of questions there as well. Mm. You know, I have to mm. be, I have to I have to know what I'm writing about, and I don't really have access to any academics uh, that can help me clarify these ideas. So Core is actually amazing. Yeah, no, it's a brilliant resource. Another website that I found is uh, I've known about it for a while, but it's just the Ask Science subreddit. So between these two places, I've set up alerts so trending you know questions in that subreddit i i get an alert for it so i did that i set up a uh, a link through zapier um so 
new trending questions in the Ask Science subreddit get put through to my Trello account, which is a, um, a task management software. Mm. And so each day or a few times a day, I'll just flick through the, the questions that have come in, um, the questions that are trending. And uh, if it's something that you know I feel that I, I can answer or even something that I've already written about in one of the articles, then... Then I go in there and I, you know, I, I put together the best answer that, you know, that I that I possibly can. And sometimes, you know, there's an opportunity to expand upon it further or talk about a related idea. But then I'll link through to the to the blog, I'll link through to the website and the the relevant article. Uh, so that went well. Uh, I've only been doing that for for a couple of days, but you know, the response is pretty good. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've only done a, f- a few, just a handful. Yeah, one of them did pretty good. Like the rest, I'm pretty much ignored. It's. I'm really curious, like how competitive uh, are the the answers for the questions? How, how many people answer roughly one of these questions that comes through in, say, chemistry? Is it like ten to twenty people answering? Well, there's definitely a, a power law involved, so most of the questions don't go anywhere. Right. But. Uh, each day, you know, I suppose there's about like 20 questions that really rise to the top out of, you know, hundreds that come through. Uh-huh. And depending on how visible, you know, how high up it is, the more visible it is, the more answers it's going to get. But sometimes there's hundreds of hundreds of answers and thousands of readers. Gee. And, you know, if it's a good question, I think the people on Reddit are fairly, are fairly curious and uh, yeah. this is oh sorry this is reddit now this isn't core i've got a similar sort of thing going on on both okay so w- which one did really well this week the reddit one. Oh, okay yeah. the reddit yeah. i'm finding core is a bit more a bit more academic whereas reddit benefits from being attached to you know obviously a, a much larger site one of the biggest sites in the world and the questions are a lot more big picture a lot more broad a lot more easy to get into okay so obviously that means tons more traffic I'm starting to use Cora as uh, I'll ask questions and answer answer them whenever I can. Right. I yeah I am I'm liking uh, answering questions on on the Ask Science subreddit. So anyway, so there was this one question that came along about gravity and why planets and stars tend to form spheres, not perfect spheres, but yeah spheres in general. But galaxies tend to be a more of a flat spiral shape. And yeah, it's pretty interesting. One of the main reasons is because um, it takes galaxies so long to rotate that their form, it just takes so long to evolve and change. Like a, uh, the oldest galaxy is about 13 billion years old and, um, and a gravity t- and uh, a galaxy takes about 1 billion years to rotate. So even the oldest galaxy has only gone around about 13 times. You know, it's not long enough to really see how, what the shape's actually going to end, end up as. It's the time factor. Yep. Anyway. No, it's, it's, it's fascinating stuff and it's great to, to explore this in more detail. But so to just come back to the question though, so you answered that question and it did really well. Yeah, so it did pretty good. Um, ended up with uh, over 100 people clicking through to my site. Oh, wow. Yep. Awesome, man. Congrats. Thank you. And is that like the first spike in traffic you've had this year, pretty much? Yeah, yeah. And it was for an okay, you know, answer, as in terms of how well it did. You know. 80 people clicked through to click through to the website to a relevant, you know, page about, about gravity and you're just trying to explain, you know, what it is and 
um, why it's interesting. A um, bunch of people just bounced out. Um, that's fine. Uh, and uh, two people ended up uh, signing up to the email list. So that's cool. You know, they'll, they'll get the content each week. Excellent. So tell us more about the email list. What is it? What's your strategy there? What are you, what are you, where are you taking it in the, in the weeks ahead? Right. So I like email lists. You don't go, you don't usually go and visit people's blog. You don't usually type in the name of somebody's blog into Google and, you know, check what new posts they've got up. You know, it's, you don't visit the site. Um, where you do spend most of your time is, is, uh, when you're just you know, browsing for stuff is, you know, in your social media feed, you know, whichever one that might be, or, you know, you also use your emails all the time, you know, just getting like a, a follow on, on Facebook or Twitter or something like that. It just, it doesn't guarantee that the, that the person that's expressed interest in, you know, in your brand, your work is ever going to see, you know, um, content that you've put out there that's because it's dependent on the algorithm and yeah exactly what that platform's doing that day what content they're pushing that day you have no control over that it's completely out of your hands exactly which is pretty crazy um but then again people subscribe to like you know like 600 i think i've subscribed to over like a thousand people on twitter so it'd probably be chaos if that wasn't there yeah but yeah email list you know you know it's pretty much guaranteed that the person's going to get that email nobody can take it away from you and i think it's also the perfect uh location to be reading these long form i'm by long form i mean you know i think my average article length is like four or five minutes four or five minutes reading time so it's like a thousand words roughly yeah yeah about about a thousand one hundred something like that yeah so i've got an automated uh thing set up uh, using a WordPress plugin, just connects to Mailchimp, uh, the free level. Mm -hmm. The uh, plugin randomizes my post so that there's always a new one that's the latest post. It changes the date or something. And then uh, Mailchimp picks that up and sends one out. I've got it set to uh, a new post going out uh, twice a week. Okay. So that was just an arbitrary number, but um, I'll have to adjust that You know later later down the road when I've got more feedback. Mm, mm. You have to test that to figure out exactly because, you know, you don't want to spam them, but at the same time, you want to keep them up to date. Twice a week sounds reasonable, uh, but maybe once a week as well. I, I know a lot of successful you know, uh, email newsletters just do a one, one a week kind of a... It depend, but it totally depends on how sticky... Uh, your users find the content and exactly what the demand is. It can be a demanding subs email subscription where they're up. You, you have a smaller group of people who are really up for uh, a more frequent uh, email, or it can be something less, you know, less intense. I would, I would love have being able to give people the option to adjust it. Mm. You know, they get put on different lists or something. There isn't that kind of function built. Or into MailChimp? No, not that I know of. Not that I know of. That surprises me. I thought MailChimp could just pretty much like do anything. I I don't. My users at the moment we're all on social. We're all either on YouTube or Facebook. So I don't have really an email list going or a newsletter, which may change in the future. But I so I had I don't know much about MailChimp or, or how it works. But I I thought you could have something like that. Yeah, unfortunately not. Yeah. 
You could then just do different emails though. You could say, subscribe to my weekly email newsletter or subscribe to my twice a week email newsletter or subscribe to my daily e email newsletter, right? Yeah, I could probably layer it up with different, uh, different campaigns or something like that. Something like that. And then, and then, I mean, surely you could have different campaigns within the same account on MailChimp that, that go out at different frequencies, right? different dates it might be a little more work on your behalf but yeah yeah i could sort of hack something together but um at this stage you don't have enough users to to, to make that worthwhile but i don't think so yeah so you know with these with these sites you know i'm just trying to trying to find out the balance between adding value there but um also not spamming you know them with you know links to my links to my shit which is obviously annoying but at the same time i want it to be a productive waste of time <laughs> yeah something that i noticed like in these communities they're so much bigger than what i thought they'd be um there's so many people like there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of questions just flying by and yeah people read them have you noticed what makes a good question is there some sort of underlying uh it could it might not even be the 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 nature of the question itself, but the way it's written or do short questions do better than longer questions or do really niche questions do better than broad questions? Is it, is it hard to say? I mean, if you focus on a particular subreddit, like what you're seeing with ask science, is there a particular kind of culture that, that the users have or set of expectations that they have when it comes to the kind of questions that, people want to answer or look at you do have a kind of feeling when you when you see a good question because it's usually something like yeah damn like i have wondered that myself so it's not some esoteric academic thing it's it's just something something that you've observed and yeah and you've wondered why it is that way it hits upon something you've noticed yourself yeah and wondered about it occurs to you like a like a almost like a reminder it's like oh yeah that question, right? Yeah. Okay. You see those floating to the top. Well, that's good to know. It's anyone's guess as to who, <laughs> what kind of questions other people have thought to themselves or asked themselves before, but it's good to have that in your own mind. How do I write this question such that it seems like the kind of question that people would have thought to themselves before or something along those lines? I would imagine just keeping the language and the, the phrasing of the question super, super straightforward and you know stripped down to its bare essence so it resembles the thought that would how, how a question would occur to you in your mind when you're just thinking about something that would probably have that quality pretty much pretty much you know that'd actually be a good way to um, come up with uh, ideas for more content is going to these subreddits seeing the uh seeing the top ones, the top questions that have been asked. Obviously, there's plenty of uh, people wondering about the same thing. Um, yeah, and, and just getting into, the, getting into the weeds. That's it. That's it. That's where the gold is, hidden in those weeds. All right, mate, so what, is your, what are your goals for this week? Targets, numbers, schedule, hit us up. Next week, I want to uh, I want to keep going with this, uh, answering these questions in the communities and trying to get more traffic through the site. And I want to get five more email subscribers. Okay, fantastic. That sounds pretty concrete. I'm sure you can you can achieve that five. Yep, that sounds like a pretty reasonable goal. Mm -hmm. How about you? I, my friend, we're going to take a break this week. Uh, I've been just 
going flat out pedal to the metal for the last two months getting this course up and I of course will still be doing the morning broadcasts as I do every single morning um, but I think I just need to give myself a few days to sort of sit back and ask myself what went wrong and really if there's only any real tangible some sort of tangible something that I'm aiming to have by this time next week it is I want to know what happened with the members. Yeah, you need that info. Yeah, I need to ask them one way or another. We'll have a uh, conversation over our live broadcast that we do, uh, the members only live broadcast or, or whatnot. But I will figure out what the miscommunication was there. Or maybe there wasn't a miscommunication. Maybe they just didn't like the courses. And that's the truth. And they were just too nice to tell me before. I don't know. There could be all sorts of... Uh, uh, possibilities but I, I just need to figure out what that is I think that will help uh, going forward that's that's like a really specific obvious mistake that I made this time just with communication generally uh, with the members so I need to figure that out other than that I'm not aiming for you know any any other real tangible growth targets this week I'm just giving myself some headspace and some time to sort of recover and to to um, to plan for for what's next. So yeah, sounds good. Yep, yep, awesome. Well, this has been a wonderful second episode, <laughs> and don't forget, listeners, to uh, subscribe if you'd like to follow along with our journey as we share our experiences and our insights and give you the tools that you need, the info that you need to grow and create your own online business and create your world. I'll uh, see you guys next episode. See you then.